Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to the Can of Spam podcast. We are here. My name is Kavika. I almost said Nick again. <laughs> I'm Kavika. Uh, 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 no, I'm Nick. Welcome back, guys. And we have our guest back again from the grave. No? <laughs> from sleeping in your, <laughs> in my your train grave after you graffitied. Anyway, we brought you... We brought you up on the last podcast when it was just me and Nick, so we're like, okay, we got to have this guy on again yeah. so that we can talk about this crazy graffiti life that you had back in in South Africa. Yeah. So yeah. so we have Brett. We're going to do another awesome, awkward moments. Uh, we're going to talk about jujitsu. Brett's a very uh, accomplished jujitsu practitioner, shall I say? Uh, I wouldn't say accomplished, accomplished? but I train jujitsu. <laughs> he can spell jujitsu. <laughs> um, That's probably about it. <laughs> Then, then we learned something about podcasting. We learned that poop sells. And coincidentally, Nick Wilkie is one of the best storytellers when it comes to poop stories. I have a PhD so, in um, poop. Yep. PhD in BS. No, <clears throat> technically, technically. In BM. Oh, okay. There we go. And then we're going to wrap it up with a what would you do? Um, this is a little strange one, but stay tuned. We're not going to give it away right off the bat. Yeah, that'll so, be fun. Why don't we uh, why don't we talk about this thing, man? Um, so in South Africa, I was doing I was doing. You were involved in uh, graffiti gang. Is that what you would call it, or how would you describe it? No, no, no. It's not like a graffiti gang. Like I, um, I, I don't know. I just started to see a lot of like you know. I mean, as you see in any urban environment, I started to see a lot of graffiti. I was sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, started to see a lot of graffiti and. I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to paint on walls. I want to be a little turd. So like, and just like run amok. And, you know, I was super into skateboarding and kind of skateboarding. And then the graffiti scene kind of went hand in hand. And I had no idea what I was doing. I literally went down to the store. You didn't have to be 18 to buy spray paint. You could just walk in and buy a can of spray paint off the shelf. Right. So. Which is not the case here. Yeah. Here you have to be 18. You have to like give blood, show like, you know, DNA and everything. So. So anyway, so I went down to the store and bought a can of spray paint. And um, I remember like coming home from a club one night. And for some reason, I had the spray paint in my car. Wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. 16, you're coming home from a club one night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like the drinking age in South Africa is 18. But there's this one spot you could get into at like if you're younger. And you just knew the... No, you just didn't have to show anything. They'd be like, they just sort of like waved you in. Huh. It was really strange. Yeah, it's a place called the Springbok. Do they have parents in South Africa, or is it just <laughs> I don't know, back children then, running I, amok? I, I was staying with my girlfriend at the time, so like we just went, we were going back to her place. Okay. So, yeah. Sixteen-year-old so. Brett and sixteen-year-old Nick are just complete opposites. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm totally on the opposite side of the spectrum as well. Like, so yeah. So anyway, like there was this uh, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a drainage ditch, and like. The whole point of graffiti is to get is to get seen. Is to like have your piece be seen by like other writers, other writers, uh, which is a graffiti writer. So you want to like other writers to see like, oh, your name's up, and you kind of like claim that wall or whatever. So for me, I was just like, I painted in this in this uh, drainage ditch that nobody would see, <laughs> and I didn't do it because <laughs> Very like, strategic. yeah, I was like, I didn't do it because uh, I didn't want anybody to see it. I just had no idea what I was doing, and I was so scared of getting caught, and I knew that down there I'd be safe. So I jumped down and you know did this piece and and my 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 name was Mosh, M O S H, with an anarchy at the end, because I was super into death metal and heavy metal back then. That's so awesome. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. That, that was explains like, the yeah. plethora of tattoos. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Um, so yeah, and uh, basically did my first piece, and then I was hooked after that, and I, I kind of with with one can of spray paint. Well, two. So a can of silver. Yeah, that's what that was my next question. Yeah, so a can of silver for like the fill, and then a black for the outline, and okay. like two tone. Yeah, so basically it's called a throw up. It's um, it's basically when you do a piece really quickly, mm-hmm. and you generally you'll use a chrome or like a silver and a black, because it covers it doesn't get absorbed by the wall. So this is like a whole like kind of science to graffiti where. Um, walls absorb colors really like if it's a porous wall like a brick wall or something they absorb color really really quickly but a black and a silver don't get absorbed they'll just pop which is why people usually primer stuff yes so a lot of the times like uh well sort of after that like well in south africa people weren't really primering anything but in old school graffiti like well worldwide graffiti people were like way ahead of of us Mm -hmm. so they were like they would they would take time to primer a wall and pretend like they were supposed to be doing it in broad daylight. They'd just be primering a wall and be like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Sometimes they would wear painting overalls and like, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be primering this wall and then go in that <laughs> night and just blow it up with this crazy colorful piece. But in South Africa, I mean, like we had, I didn't have a clue what the hell I was doing. I was just like a can of chrome. I knew that that would work and a can of black for the outline. And, uh, and I did it. I did it. So it was such a bad job. But that piece lasted forever. Like it lasted like 10 years. Complained about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and the fact that it was like, even like because it was in a drainage ditch, the water would come up really high and it would like washed away like kind of half of it, but it still stayed. Like you could still see what it was. It's kind of crazy. That's awesome, actually. That's super cool. So, yeah. And then, so, and then progressing from there, I found out that there was a, a, a spray paint store in the city. So I went around to the spray paint store, which is kind of unheard of because like, it was just basically paint that you could buy at the hardware store, but they just had it all in one place. Every color, every whatever you want, you know. And these guys were like legends of the graffiti game, like old school legends that were just insane artists. So I went there and just hung out with them and they gave me uh, a flyer and some other stuff. And um, actually, it's where I went, met my, one of my closest friends. Uh, he, his name is Tyler Murphy and he was riding wheels at the time and he's like one of Cape Town's sort of legend graffiti artists and it's through him that like I really got into graffiti like got into proper graffiti like painting invisible places and learning like how to do it properly and like just see like, that's what I was gonna ask like there's this whole subculture of graffiti artists that most people have no idea like I have no idea like what subculture of graffiti is like I played a game once called Jet Set Radio and the goal was you went around on rollerblades and spray painted stuff. See, that's where he fails. It's on rollerblades. Yeah, that's all I know about graffiti. <laughs> so, what I'm curious about is how you went from figuring out how to spray paint in this ditch with two colors to you're telling us or you're telling me when we did that video project that you were spray painting entire trains in a train station, getting chest up by the cops. Yeah, so it's kind of two different stories. Um, the 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 train station was was actually organized by the state um, to uh, celebrate this um, this because in South Africa we used we used trains to go from to go everywhere like basically like public transport and um, we got given an entire train to paint with like a basic outline of what they wanted but art, we had full artistic license so. They set up this train in a in a in a like a maintenance yard, 
in the middle of like a gnarly, gnarly neighborhood, like the worst neighborhood you could ever imagine, like so scary, so sketchy. But you were behind, like, you know, you're protected by guards and stuff once when you were inside, but you didn't want to leave. So what we would do is we'd paint at night. And I mean, this this warehouse was huge, but it filled with fumes. Uh, I've probably lost a few brain cells. Um, <laughs> you said you slept in the... Yeah, so like we would paint and like, like it would get to three o'clock in the morning and then some of the dudes would bail, but I'd be like, no, I'm not walking out at night. Because it was in, in, a sketchy in, yeah, area. In, this, in this neighborhood. So I would sleep on the train, get woken up by the workers the next morning as they were coming to work. And they would open the doors and we were like, be like, like, oh, it's so tired. I'd get my backpack and I would go to school. And it was just the craziest experience. It was so cool. Like looking back, like it was really crazy. And like, like, I didn't have a lot of involvement in the in painting the train. I kind of did the background stuff. Like so, so you had artists that were really good at doing characters, mm -hmm. and then I basically painted the backdrop. So I painted the there was like a it was like a water scene, and then and then the rest of it was like a, a, a yellow or or a, for the for the rest of the train. So I painted it yellow and I painted it blue for the water, and that was kind of my job. And then just also I documented the whole thing. I photographed the whole thing as well. So that was kind of cool, like just, you know, because it kind of looked really gritty and like looked like we were doing something illegal, but we were actually doing it legally. <laughs> and then it's pretty cool. Getting chased, yeah, we got chased a lot because like you'd be painting uh, in a train yard. No, this is outside. Of this what is outside. This is illegal. The illegal stuff. You go into a train yard and like um, you'd have like lookouts and there would be security guards walking around and you'd time it to a certain point. And these are trains that are in operation. In operation, just sitting, tracks, yeah, just sitting in the people. yard. And, and then everyone's going to see it because yeah. these trains are, like you said, everyone takes a train. And then like, there was one night that, like, you know, we were painting and the alarm, like, the alarm went off. Like, one of our guys alerted us and we had to bail. And, um, yeah, everyone just, like, just being chased by dogs, being chased by people. Like, you know, they don't care. Like, like life is cheap. So you never wanted to get caught because... Um, the last thing you wanted to do was go to like uh, was go to jail in South Africa, even a holding cell. You could be put in there with the worst of the worst people, mm -hmm. and that's just overnight. Even underage, it didn't matter. So you kind of never wanted to get caught. Uh, one mission that I photographed, but I never went on. Um, my closest friends did a whole car. So a whole car is a whole train car, top to bottom, windows, everything fully covered. And I think they did three cars. And they like were just finishing up, and they got busted. And um, my my friend dived underneath the train to escape the the security, and he cut his head open. Uh, was gushing blood, losing consciousness. And my other friend grabbed him, and they ran into the water together. And my friend held had to hold this other guy that was bleeding, hold his head above water while the security searched for them on the beach. Because he was unconscious. Yeah, and he was just bleeding out, and he was in the in the ocean, middle of the ocean, just floating with holding this guy up waiting for the waiting coast for to be yeah clear yeah waiting so for the coast to be run. clear because you could he said he could see the lights of the security on the beach looking right. for them and it was at that sort of point where i started to say like okay like this is not for me anymore like because we would go painting and, and i always painted with wheels because he could see things that i couldn't see he's like oh there's people coming down the track and i'd be like i he, i wheels can't is the guy's name yeah well he writes wheels his name's tyler oh, Murphy. I see. yeah and 
uh, he's like, yeah, there's people coming down the track. And I, I'd look and I couldn't, I don't know if he had night vision, if he ate lots of carrots. <laughs> I don't know. This dude could see things that I could never see. Some sort of gamma radiation. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, cool. Trust what you say. Let's bail. Like we'd get out of there. Um, couple of situations like that. Uh, there was another time that we all decided, I mean, it was a huge, it was a mass bomb. Like, so when you go painting, it's called bombing. Okay. So it's not actually blowing things up, but you're blowing up a, a spot. Mm-hmm. You're just blowing it up with graffiti. So you go bombing. And this one time, that there, it must have been a group of about 20 or 30 of us at f- 5 o'clock in the morning, which is it's too, that's, that's too late already. That's the kind of time that everyone's going to work. We hit this um, wall along a train line, and we all did a piece each, black and chrome, just big throw-ups. And the train was like, like coming past us like every so often and we'd all pretend to be sleeping what are 30 white kids doing sleeping on the side of the tracks in the most <laughs> gnarly neighborhood you know like it's just stuff like that like it's just funny stuff looking back and like the stuff that you did but it's like play yeah. dead <laughs> yeah we're all just lying play down next to, next to the train lines while this like train comes past the, the 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 driver of the train or the conductor just look out the window and be like Call the cops. <laughs> it's like you go to work in the morning yeah. and you see 30 kids laying on the side of the yeah. train tracks with a blank wall. You come back and then the wall's completely covered in some yeah. crazy artwork. Yeah, it was crazy, man. So That's awesome. That is crazy. Okay, well, that is the backstory behind Brett and his graffiti life. Well, he recently worked a like piece here, right? Like you did this kind of we, thing? We filmed one. That's what it was, yeah. So there was an I artist. Mean, graffiti is always in my heart. Like I'm always like looking at pieces. Like, but now I'm more objective. I, you know, I kind of, I hate tags. Mm-hmm. Like I like to see big pieces. Like here in Kakaako, like the whole neighborhood is dedicated to, a, like a yearly event, mm-hmm. um, Powwow Hawaii, which yeah. is the best artists in the world that got creating the most insane graffiti art. I don't. I started to see the progression in South Africa, like seeing guys get more creative and doing like more like portraiture and stuff. But the uh, international scene was way more um, advanced and seeing the stuff that they're doing in Kaka'ako with a spray can. Yeah. I, it, that's why I put, put down the can because I was good at bubble letters and that was about it, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I'd be drawing stick men. Yeah. I mean, but the stuff that they're doing is crazy. And then so we, so Kavika and I teamed up. Well, we, we, we videoed a guy he was doing a piece for Queen Street Tattoo, and uh, oh, it was a big dragon. I may have said that it was like a dispensary. Yeah, that's what you were like, oh, they did a... Um, was it not a dispensary? A it, CBD, THC dispensary graffiti thing. Well, it's funny because the wall was dedicated to Queen Street Tattoo done on a dispensary wall. Okay, uh, so I wasn't crazy. There was no. some sort of dispensary yes. ness. You, you are, you are in, you are together in that. Okay. So you do have your 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 faculties. Yeah, you have your facts. I'm not losing my mind. I feel like my perception of people that did graffiti or do graffiti and stuff is always. I guess I always thought it was from this perspective of like, yeah, let's defame something and do something illegal. But at least hearing you speak about it, it's more of like I like the art of it. I like the. Like, I'm not hearing, like, yeah, I just wanted to screw this mom-and-pop shop over and ruin their wall. It's less screw the system and more, like, let's let's make Yeah, and more of the art and the passion behind it, which I kind of like, yeah. Well, there are two sides to it. And we we would still fight the system. We would screw the system, for sure. But we won't screw mom-and-pop. 
Right, right, right. I got you. Private property, like in terms of someone's home or someone's business. Like that's where I, like we kind of, like people that I hung with drew the line. I mean, you know, they were all about hitting government property. There's some sort of moral code. Well, there was. I mean, but that's that sort of, it, it wasn't always the case. But I'd say like that's how I ran. Like I didn't, I wanted to paint on government property. And most of the time it was painting on train lines because we knew that our pieces would get seen. They were quiet at night, you know, um, and you could kind of get away with taking your time because I took forever to paint. I was like the world's slowest graffiti artist. <laughs> I would take so long to do a basic piece. But like all the places that we were at were pretty, besides on a, besides the train lines, um, that's where you didn't really have time. But on a, on a regular wall, like, yeah. But it was always kind of like screw the system, fight the system, kind of anarchy. I mean, we're talking like 96, 97 you know, like when that sort of, that was kind of like the thing, like you were just like angry at the system and like he wanted to like mess with the government and like didn't care. There was this, um, in Kapahulu, there's this like uh, surf company store and uh, they had a huge blank wall, like right facing the traffic. And it was like, had some graffiti on it and stuff. And the business owner wanted to clean it up. So like we decided to paint a mural on it. So we paint, you know, painted the whole thing, covered up the graffiti, and then me and a few friends, I didn't like paint anything. I just helped like put the primer on the wall, like rolled white paint on the wall or whatever. But there was this friend of ours who's an incredible artist, and she painted this just incredible scene of this wave barreling, and it looked like Duke Kahanamoku like in the wave. Nice. And had Diamond Head in the background, and it was so beautiful. And we did it for free. It was just the the company or the um the shop owner paid for the paint. So we did it all, and the deal was that they were going to buy this paint to clear coat over it. That way, if someone graffiti on it, it would like be able to take it off easier without actually affecting the the mural. And it took a long time to like do that and everything. And the our, my friend that painted it spent a lot of time doing it, you know. And it was like in the hot sun, like crazy. Um, and someone they never bought the paint, and someone graffitied over it and and ruined the whole mural. And that really bummed me out because it was beautiful. I mean, it was so nice. Uh, so then I guess what they did was they painted over it and then someone did more of a graffiti kind of style artwork on it. And that's what's there today. And it just stuck there. Yeah, no one's graffitied over it since. But that really bummed me out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's 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 the same like in, in the world. Like people just want to ruin beautiful things. And it's, it's the same. It's no different. You know, you're going to always get that one person that's going to be a hater and wants to ruin everything and... Yeah, I mean, I saw that a lot too. Like, there's oftentimes, like, the, like if you really got deep into graffiti, like, there's these crazy battles. Like, if you have a piece up and someone goes over it, I knew people that would hunt that person down and beat the crap out of them. Like, gnarly stuff. Bottle over the head, back of a screwdriver, punched in the face. Like, heavy, heavy fights. And then I know that even further than that, if you really delve deep into graffiti in, like, New York and stuff, and actually, yeah, in New York back in the day, people would like kill each other over graffiti, over like like disrespecting each other like that. It's it's really crazy. Like we could really go down the rabbit hole on this. Like there is some like crazy stuff, man. Like it's a really it's quite a it's quite a beautiful thing. It can be a beautiful thing, but the dark side to graffiti is really gnarly too. Well, maybe we can go into that next time, dude. We should have um, um, you should take us out, Brett, me and Kavika, and we'll go in all black hoods and mask and go graffiti something. Oh yeah, my we can gosh, just, we can just spray stickmen all oh over the place. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah, no, like that sounds terrible. 
<laughs> I'm too old for that stuff. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and roll into our next segment, which is called Awesome Awkward Moments. This time we have a situation. Well, actually, Nick, why don't you describe the situation? I was just about to be like, hey, Kavika, do you want to describe the situation? Okay, here's what we got. So have you ever met someone where they always hug everyone when you meet them? versus like a handshake. And there's a few different types of handshakes, right? There's a normal kind of formal handshake. And then there's the one like the bro handshake Mm -hmm. where, you know, you bring it in into a hug kind of thing. Um, And I think that's sort of what we're talking about a little bit is you're going in for the formal, but they disregard. They don't do even the bro handshake and they just go for the full on hug. And that's the type of person that is awkward because you just don't know what to do with them, especially when you're first meeting them it just comes off very, very strong. Right. So what do you do in that moment where your hand is, is, is extended and they just kind of go full on and hug you? Or, yeah, and That's they just the don't moment. accept your hand. Yeah. So just make it super And now awkward. your hand is crushed inside of your own chest because they're hugging you. <laughs> so bo- both of you, um, you know, you guys were, you grew up um, for a portion of your lives not in Hawaii, right? Yeah. So in Hawaii... Uh, hugging is a very big thing. So have either of you been in that situation where you extended your hand and then it was rejected, but they came in for the hug anyway, or instead? To be honest with you, it doesn't really bug me. Uh, I'm not a person that likes to be touched by strangers, but I... Don't come into my house. Don't touch me. Well, (laughs) yeah, but it's funny because um, that kind of stuff doesn't really uh, bother me at all. I'd I'd rather go for the hug than the awkward handshake. You go for the you go for the formal, they go for the bro. And you get this weird like hybrid and then you go for the bro and they go for the formal and then you just have like fight over what sort of uh, and then you just kind of give up. Or you go for a handshake and they just shake your four fingers and you feel like you're giving them your hand to kiss. Okay, so maybe that's the <laughs> the broader subject is just awkward, you know, handshakes or hugs. Cuz I've been on the receiving end of somebody that grabs just your four fingers and they essentially forced you into a <laughs> I don't know what else to call it it's a wimp handshake yeah it's like the they, dead fish they made me dead fish I can't stand it and then it's now they're judging you a little for this guy doesn't know how to handshake right what you, really you just wimp? squeezed my fingers off you didn't even give me a chance to get in there <laughs> I really hate that <laughs> making me look like a little right that's, wimp a, over that's here. exactly right <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's the one, man. Like, that's the is worst. Is that worse, you think? That is far worse because, yeah, I don't mind. Like, because at least with the hug, you're like, okay, I can do this. But you, there's no coming back from the, the limp fish handshake <laughs> I'm that to, you've delivered. I'm starting to oh. think that people do it on purpose. They it's, squeeze your four fingers on purpose. Established dominance. Yeah. yeah. Established yeah. dominance. Yep. I really feel like it's like that way. While they do it. Well, that's that could very well be a thing, right? With two dudes. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's where establish I, the alpha. That's kind of always where I have encountered it. I feel like in that type of setting. But uh, I, but I know for a fact that for at least thirty seconds after that handshake, it'll bug me. <laughs> yeah, I think about it. Just yeah. be like, I need a retake, dude. Let's do it again. Let's handshake again because that sucked. Yeah. Sometimes I think I've definitely <laughs> said that. Hand. Like we got to do that again. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what but but to be honest, I think I more more embarrassing because here, like I find that in Hawaii, we do um, the, the the general greeting is the bro shake, bro shake, and then sometimes bro shake into a hug. So so all of those people who don't know what the bro shake is, why don't you describe the bro shake? 
So instead of extending your hand out, you kind of go with your hand vertical. So vertical hand to vertical Almost hand. Almost like, like a, um, arm wrestling. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Arm wrestling grip. So uh, you grab then, each other's yeah. hand, bring it in, yeah. shoulder to shoulder, and yeah. then pat on the back with the yeah, other hand. Yeah, absolutely. There's that. That's That would be the hug. Or it's just um, that wrestling style, like arm wrestling style, to and then to formal handshake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so like, Palm to palm, the slow slide and then, out. Yeah, and then hand to hand. Like it's kind of like that's more it. But like, I always get it mixed up because I don't know with strangers. Some people like to just shake formally, and some people like to shake with the bro shake, especially here in Hawaii. And I, I get it wrong so many times. And again, it bugs me like the dead fish. I'm like, dude. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm with it. I'm hip. So I'm probably the opposite because when the, and this is probably why I brought this up as the first subject is because when I extend my hand like I'm going I'm actually going in for the bro shake most of the time and then when somebody goes for the hug to trump my bro shake I'm like dude I was gonna hug you anyway why you gotta do that now I got like a my own hand in my chest hugging them with one other hand and they're like fully embracing me like I thought we were cool man I thought we were cool you extended your hand to me but I wanted to hug and I'm like, I wanted to hug too. I just want to <laughs> hug. There, there's sometimes you can slip your hand out of there fast enough to get the hug full on going. Wait, I've done that before. If anybody else saw it, you're like, they immediately think like, oh, he's cool, but he's not. Yeah, it's true. He went for the handshake. <laughs> the other thing too is that like uh, being in the jujitsu community, like we like to hug a lot. And that, mm-hmm. and the, and, sweat and on it, sweat action. No, but it's it's uh, even in greeting, it's a hug. Uh, and it's a like it's almost like a it's a jujitsu grip hug. Mm. It's it's almost a little bit more aggressive. <laughs> okay, how uh, why don't we uh, <laughs> describe this aggressiveness? I don't know. It's hugging. like a, like Is as if you trap someone, so you kind of hug over the arms. You hug over their arms, or you hug like under, a playful. Yeah, or you hug under their arms, and then you kind of give them like you kind of like put them off balance a little bit. Ah. Uh. It's kind almost of like, like a, a technique hug. Yeah, almost like yeah. So it's almost like a technique hug, where it's like, but you know, because it's like if you did jujitsu, then you kind of, uh, you kind of would understand that. You know? That's like the climbing community. Well, I guess fist bumping is not that unique to climbing, but almost nobody, if you're in climbing, like handshake because your hands are all covered in chalk, and you're like trying to make sure your hands stay dry. And especially me, I have the sweatiest hands on the planet. So it's true. He does. Out. I'm kidding. I don't really know. That's the first time I heard that. Oh, no, it definitely is. I mean, <laughs> every time I'm touching this iPad, like I'm making huge streaks of sweat all over it. It's gross. But, I'm but here's the thing about the fist bump. Now, here's another thing. It has its own etiquette as well. You should always fist bump with your left hand. What? Because it's the closest hand to your heart. I always uh, fist bump with my right hand. I, I wish I had the cricket. <laughs> drop so i could just play the cricket <laughs> yeah in like the rastafarian culture like that's what i don't know if it's the culture but i know that a rastafarian friend of mine said that he's like oh he's like you should always fist bump with your left hand because it's the hand that's closest to your heart so now i make a conscious effort to fist bump with my left hand see that's the thing about the fist bump is if you're holding a drink in one hand and you extend your hand for a handshake they only have one option to shake your hand, like with one hand. You can't, I mean, you can do the opposite and shake with the wrong hand, but that's even more awkward. But with the fist bump, it's universal. It's ambidextrous or amphibious. <laughs> What's the, 
you know, it's both. You know, do you think the handshake is dying out a little, though, in our culture of where it used to have such more significance? Like, you can tell a lot from a person the way they handshake you. Which, and you would never handshake someone with your left hand. Like, that's just rude and wrong. Right. Like, do you think that kind of doesn't matter anymore? Or you think it's still alive and well? I think it's very alive and well. I think that you should handshake firm. Have a firm handshake and look the person directly in the eyes and acknowledge them. Hmm. Very direct. That is how it no, should. I, I mean, that's that, what I've heard. Yeah. That is a I'm confident. That is a confident handshake. So if you're in a job interview or anything like that, and you shake like that, and you say you, you'll you'll give a first impression. Very what about good. a double pump? Double. You know where you go in, you shake the hands, and you pump it. Oh, I don't know about Are that. You supposed to, I heard you're supposed to give a good, nice pump. Oh, <laughs> oh like, know, like jerk their hand up and down. Double pump, yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know not about a, the double pump. I just I keep shaking until they let go. Mm. See, just that's another I'm just, one. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't go. do that. See, I don't think it's actually a handshake. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's different elsewhere in the world, but here in Hawaii, at least, it's you extend your hand, you grab their hand firmly, and you let go. Very rarely do I meet somebody from Hawaii that actually like shakes, physically shakes or pumps your hand. It's just like boom. No, it's always yeah, it's you, always one. See, we just yeah. Hand, yeah. did a handshake there, and you. Yeah. You did a move. There was movement. You didn't just extend. No, but that's that's weird. Go. That that looks strange. You got to give a pump. I'm yeah. telling you, everyone pumps. You just don't never thought of it. I it's, bet it's something that you don't even think about. Really? And if I'm feeling super, I, I've never done a double really? pump. <laughs> it just feels weird. Because when when somebody double pumps on me, I notice it every single time. because ah, my arm is like. <laughs> Jiggling more than it normally does. My shoulder. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I, I double pump. I'm you definitely do. Yeah, because I, I always do. notice it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Why didn't you ever say anything? I usually grab the hand and then I do this. Oh, you bring in the other hand. Yeah, I slap it with the other hand. Oh, so that's a dominant that thing as well. I'll let you know. Guy. I got yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I got your back. Might as well tap me on the butt. <laughs> I think now though, I just do the bro hug. I just one hand, like the arm wrestling thing, and other arm around them, and just safe call, safe bet. Low-key. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's it's kind of like a social stressor in a way, like because you you kind of you have to read. Like I read every person. I, I look at their hand as it's coming in. I'm like, is that a bro hug hand or is that a regular handshake hand? Because it's something slow-mo. that's yeah, it's like I was like in my brain, and I'm like breaking it down. <laughs> and then like I and then nine times out of ten, I'll get it wrong. But that's all right. That's the problem. There's no universal greeting. There's a hundred million different ways yeah, to shake I somebody's mean, head, and you got to guess. But isn't that what make, makes life beautiful? It's diverse and unique. Yeah, in South Africa, we have our own, like, we have a different kind of handshake. It's We have normal handshakes, like, everywhere else, but then mm-hmm. we have, like, a... Nipple on nipple. Yeah, it's definitely nipple on nipple. But, like, it's more like, like, bro hand to, like, handshake to, like, slap to fist bump. That's a lot. And it happens so quickly, you don't even think about it. But again, you have to read the person because you could go for all that stuff and it'd just be a regular handshake. Well, that's like the bro that goes into the cup. You know what I mean? It like transitions. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the one he described earlier, right? Yeah, yeah well, that's common too. Like not, not that whole, that's more like in you know sports, right? I got a handshake right. with someone. But you're just doing that with everyone. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But I'm just saying like some people transition it into the, you know, and then they'll throw a snap on it after. Yeah, there's and some that, super complicated ones. Well, that bugs me, though, when like you give a normal handshake and someone throws a snap on it after. And I didn't know. I didn't know we had a thing like that. And then yeah. well, I'm not snapping. And then if I do snap, I'm late. So I just, I don't get it. And or do it really awkwardly. I'm like, uh, just, nah, the, the moment's lost completely. Snap. Right? 
Yeah, no. Do you snap I, always? Or I have a friend that always snaps, and I don't interact with him enough to like remember every single time that he snaps. So he'll snap, and I'm just like, ah. Hmm. Oh, do I have that same friend? Because I feel like I have a st- exact person like that in my life as well. Well, so, or, just name him. Okay, my buddy Joe. Whenever I see Joe Young, and we do a well, he hugs, handshakes, and throws a snap. And, and, and now winks, I just always and snap with him. In the butt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that the friend you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, I knew it. I knew it was Joe. Hey, Joe, I tried to call you to get you on this episode, but you didn't call me back or text me By the way, Joe, your episode is still the most widely listened. I think it's because he's listened to it more than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) He listens to it multiple times a day. See, Brett, that's how you get uh, to the top of our leaderboard as far as listens. So just go home, listen to it 100 million times. By the way, I'm just going to throw this plug into, into the podcast. Stop whatever you're doing. If you are not driving or busy, if you have your phone in your hand, pause, go ahead and go into whatever app you're listening to us right now and leave us a review and a comment because that actually helps this podcast immensely. Um, We want to keep doing this podcast, you know, over the long term and we're trying to build our viewership and that's the only way that we're going to get any type of feedback on an official level that promotes our, our podcast. So we deeply appreciate that. We'll give you guys shout outs as well. On our podcast, when do we it now. see, do it now, now, now. <laughs> All right, I just you have to. Anytime you say "do it now," yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, awesome, awkward moments in the bag. Okay, let's uh, let's turn it back over to to Brett. So yeah, first, can I ask you a question first? <laughs> yeah, spell jujitsu. Uh-huh. J i u space J i t s u. I missed an I. J I U. J I U. It's not J U I. No, it's not J U J. J U J I T S U. I don't even know what you just said. J I U. J I T S U. G U Jitsu. G U Jitsu. Um, what um, what belt are you a belt color? Like, tell me. Which, the, believe it or not, okay. is Mexican. Can you tell me the system of belt coloring for jujitsu, and if it's different than like karate or like, is it all the same kind of system? No, it's definitely different. There are different belt colors, uh, and also the thing is about not to poo-poo any other martial art, but you can get a black belt in karate in like three years. Jujitsu takes ten to twelve. What about the degree of black belt? Isn't there degrees? Yeah, so again, it's the same thing in jiu-jitsu, but I feel, I feel like the black belt is too easily given in some martial arts. Mm, okay. It's basically what I'm saying. Now, it's just from past experience. Different schools might be different. You might have the more hardcore schools that you have to, take, be, have to be in the, in the game for 10 years, dedicate your, your life to, you know, to the martial art that you choose. Um, but in jiu-jitsu... Over the age of 16, so below the age of 16, there are different um, belt colors. When you hit 16, then you go into the adult colors. So as an adult, uh, 16 and up, you start at white belt, then you get a blue belt, then you get a purple, then a brown, then a black. For every, I'm going to say, five years that you're a black belt, you get a stripe. And then once you get a certain amount of stripes, your belt color actually changes to a black with red. Ah, okay. And then there are the elite, elite, like sort of royal family of jiu-jitsu. 
um, that have red belts, but they are like the Gracie family, you know, to get that sort of level, like they've been doing it for a hundred years and they're so old. But just to clarify, it's not, I mean, generally you're giving like a timetable for, you know, leveling up in belts, but generally it's not anything to do with time. It's skill, right? Or technique or some sort of... Yeah. There is a small timeline. There is a timeline that you should get those skills within. Right. But like for me, I've been a blue belt for so damn long. I think I've been a blue belt for four years now, uh, which is kind of a long time, but that's my choice. Mm -hmm. I don't train as often as I should. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I've been a blue belt for so long. So so it's at the teacher's discretion as well. Right. You could... I've known people that have been a white belt for a very short period of time and got their blue belt. I've known people that have been a blue belt for, you know, 10 years. So it all depends on how much dedication you have what the, and, and at the teacher's discretion as well. You might get a kick out of this, Brett. So uh, I come from, like, Maryland, and I grew up in, like, like cornfields, like not really much around. There was no, that I knew of, jiu-jitsu. I didn't really know about jiu-jitsu until I was maybe, like, 18 years old. Like I just I knew like karate and like Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that, but I didn't really know. Yeah, so just take that. My head is in the sand, kind of thing. So I'm in college, and I wrestled like in in high school and stuff, and kind of come from wrestling. My brother wrestled, was really good and stuff. And anyway, uh, so I just knew how to wrestle. Like that's the style of combat, I guess you would say that I know. So I'm in college, and my friend at the time, his name was Matt. He's like, Hey man, do you want to roll? And I thought, oh, do you want to wrestle? Sure, let, let's wrestle. Little did I know, this man knows jujitsu. And if you wrestle that someone that knows jujitsu, one, the rules are just completely different. Um, so we start wrestling, and my instinct is get him on his back and pin him. And when your shoulder blades touch the ground for like three seconds, I win. Right. Well, I did that, and that meant for him, now his legs are wrapped around me, and I'm in what I now know is a guard at the time, I did not know what that was. At the time, I thought, oh, my gosh, this man is taking advantage of me. And I've said to him, I win, I win so many times in a row. But to him, it was just fun because he knew that I was coming just from a wrestling background and that he was going to destroy me. So not only did I feel sexually violated by him by you know him mounting me from the ground, um, he just put me in some chokehold and destroyed me. So... Yeah, it was horrible. That was where I really figured out what actually jiu-jitsu was. And, yeah, it just was humiliating. Um, he bested me. That's my jiu-jitsu story. Yeah, so I so guess... you won, and then he won. I won, I won. Yeah, so I, I won under the wrestling rules. <laughs> but really, I had and, to tap out and scream and, um, and, you know... And the legal rules, like violation. You're probably yeah. going to win in court. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I didn't even know that's, like, a good thing. You want to be on your back. Well, well, potentially, because you it, can wrap your legs around them. There's different um, advantages to being on top and bottom. Is that right? Correct. So some people are really good on the top. Uh, some people are really good on the bottom. Some people are really good at both. Um, so you, you are in what's called a closed guard. So if you can imagine in your head, and folks, we were wearing clothes uh, when we are doing this. <laughs> but Disclaimer. Yeah. A guy on his back with, or a guy or girl, on their back with legs wrapped around your waist. Locked with clothes. With clothes on. 
wrap with their legs locked behind your back like and and you're in a prone on your more likely on your knees with them wrapped around you so that's called closed guard but then from there the person on the bottom could open their legs and that becomes open guard and there's all these different guards but it's basically a defense position that allows you to attack yeah i don't i still don't even know how i would get out of that today because when i tried to like go low and slip out it doesn't work <laughs> well, <laughs> right? what's, exactly. if we were if we were doing a, a video show i could totally show you and uh, how to get out of that because it's um it's pretty straightforward mm. it's basically just there's a bunch of different ways but it's basically like pushing your way back um and breaking their feet because their feet are locked together at the ankles yeah um, my god is pretty strong because um, my god is pretty strong because I have long legs but <laughs> so it's, it's tough for, for little people to break it um, but um, yeah oh, for little people for, for smaller people because I hear they don't like to be called that oh no they don't like to be called the other thing <laughs> little people is appropriate <laughs> okay well just for, like like in Hawaii people are, are smaller in stature hey, 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 oh. it's true <laughs> they are smaller in stature All right, I'm outnumbered fine Compared to the to us Europeans, you know the outsiders, the infidels, um, we uh, we're so like in my class, I'm like one of the the tallest people. So it's it's harder going up against uh, smaller folks. Yeah, but do do you find like okay, you're a blue belt. What if someone is uh, what's higher than blue? Purple. Purple. Okay. Do you find like if you're rolling with someone that's a purple belt and they're like considerably smaller than you, you have the advantage, right? I mean, just size is, is advantage. Size is not an advantage. So that's the thing with jujitsu, right? Is size is less of a factor. Really? There's yeah. no weight classes in jujitsu? No, there are weight there classes, are, but... but I've, I've, I've rolled with a 16 year old girl that treated me like I would, like I, I mean, I weighed 215 pounds. <laughs> she threw me around like I weighed like 10 pounds. Wow. How come? Like what? She just had, she had the leverage. She just, she moved really well and just threw me around and I was like, I quit. I'm done. <laughs> well, she's actually uh, uh, one of the people that uh, Kakoa Collective sponsor, that one of the companies that I work for, uh, and they sponsor her. She competes on a on a uh, national level. Insanely good, but tiny. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go really light. Nah, she destroyed me. Like I, I, I didn't have a chance. I heard that's one thing that's cool about the jujitsu is you can always get humbled. There's always room to grow, room to learn, and it's kind of ever-moving, evolving, growing kind of thing. It's hard to master. I think it's infinite. I think that because every single school has a professor, a professor is a black belt that teaches. So once you get to black belt, you're, they refer to you as a professor because it's taken you 10 years to get there or maybe more. But every single school has a technique that's unique to them or to unique to their teacher. So like it is the, and it constantly evolving. It's a constantly evolving sport. So new moves are being created every single day, mm -hmm. which is, it's insane. Like, I, you can't keep up. So if I was maybe a black belt at your school, let's just say, and then I go to a different school, would I still be black belt? Yes, you will always be black belt. You are whatever belt was given to you. Okay. When, you're, when your professor or your teacher gives you that belt, you stay that belt. It's very rarely that you will ever go down unless you never earned it. Like mistakenly or... Yeah, how no, I've had people like I've heard of people show up with a brown belt and they've like they were like a blue belt at their previous school. So what, they just buy a belt off the internet? Absolutely, buy it from a store. Oh gosh, yeah, I guess I didn't think of that. Yeah, just go into a store and buy. A, and it's actually there's a if you go on YouTube if you're this way if you're that way inclined and you're really interested, there's a bunch of 
videos of black of pretend black belts that get taught a lesson mm. by real, no, real black belts. Yeah, because that's kind of <laughs> that's almost like probably the worst sin in the jujitsu, maybe martial arts kind of community is faking your belt status probably. Yeah. And then never wrestling anyone or rolling whatever you want to call it because you know you'll get exposed. So you probably just flex on everyone. Yeah, I'm a black belt, but you're, you're blue. I'm not going to wrestle you. No, absolutely. That is a hundred percent right. They they either won't or they'll always roll with someone that's like new, like a white belt, and like beat them up, like bully them in a way, or they'll like yeah, or they won't, or they'll just be like have an excuse about oh my shoulder, oh my leg, you know, just 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 BS excuses. Huh. Can the professor like kind of regulate his? Is it called a dojo? It it depends. Yeah, it is called. Uh, we call it. We just call it a school, but okay. yeah, a lot of other places call it a dojo. Um, yeah. Well, well, could like the instructor, professor, head guy kind of say, "Look, man, get out of here," like? Oh yeah. Don't yeah. do that. Like yeah. you're out of here. Oh no, hundred percent. And and yeah, if you, like I say, if you go on YouTube, you'll see it. Like people get their butts handed to them. Like it's like hilarious, and they won't stop. Then the other thing that's funny is people coming in off the street, thinking that they're the best, and and challenging the the professor to a fight. Can people do that? Just roll up in and like challenge the like. Yeah, like some dudes that come in being all loudmouth and saying they're this and that and this and that, and then you know they there's only so much patience you have, and they'd be like, "All right, cool, let's get on the mat." Is it like, crushes him? <laughs> is it like Vikings where you kill the Earl and then you become Earl? <laughs> or like Black or you, Panther? You roll with the the professor and then you tap him out and you become professor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm like, um, yeah, I just, I, I've always wanted to try it. I would be really interested. Just kind of for fun. I love that kind of stuff. But I'm just, again, I have this like wrestling style mind and it's very hard for me to shift that into like something else. I just, it's just a whole different language you're learning and that just would seem difficult. I don't think it is. I think, I, I honestly think that you would notice more similarities than not. Granted, okay, maybe the rules are different, but a lot of the re- wrestling techniques, like I, a lot of the guys that train at my gym are wrestlers. Um, we have a um, champion wrestler. Um, his name is Oz, that rolls that that trains at our gym, and he is next level. What's what's his what's his name? Do you I know, know his, his like first name? name is Oz? I think I know that dude. He's yeah, like super skinny, older yep. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that guy. Dude is insane. He's, I um he's help, scary good. I helped coach high school wrestling at one of the high schools a few years, many years ago now, and he was one of the coaches there. Dude, come train at Mono Jiu Jitsu, dude. Is that in Manoa? Yeah, it's in Manoa. That's where Oz trains. That'd be wicked. That'd be cool. Because like, How funny. And, yeah, and a lot of guys, because like a lot of guys will show up at the gym wearing a white belt. And you're like, okay, cool. Guys are white belt. Respect that. You know, don't go too hard on them or too heavy. Guys are a college wrestler, and he will annihilate you. So it's basically he just is a great wrestler but started jiu-jitsu whether later yeah, on and yeah. he's just a white belt. But he's really good. He just is... Going through the process. Absolutely, yeah. So he'll progress probably a little quicker because he understands some of the moves. Right. So who do you wrestle to then get your next belt? Or when do you do a test? Or like when do they... Every school is different again. Um, some schools have a full grading that you have to learn, that you have to know certain techniques and you have to then roll against like a like a bunch of people in the gym. And other schools will just go on your experience level. Kind of like we've been watching you, like we think yeah. you're at this level now. Yeah. We're going to yeah. graduate you to whatever belt. And yeah. Do they do a ceremony or just give it to you in practice? Um, they'll give it to you at the end of class. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll just give it to you at the end of class and um, just announce it. You know, you won't know. Like you don't know ahead of time. that you Because ultimately you, sh- you should never ask for your belt. 
that's the other thing that's kind of etiquette like you never ask to be promoted you never ask when you're going to get promoted and you don't ask for your belt that's kind of cool i like that yeah because the teacher will be like cool let's tack on another six months till you get it yeah and it's like super disrespectful because uh, it's like you shouldn't be in it just for the status of the belt no, basically. Well, you also right? That's shouldn't not... be questioning whether your professor thinks you're ready or not. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've been, I've been, like, I'd be like, I've been a blue belt for five years. I want my purple. But like, it's not up you, to you. You're not. You don't deserve it. You're not at that level yet. Like, you don't deserve to wear it. And I'm quite happy where I am. I'm very happy being a blue belt. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, um, like, where are you at in that progression? Like, okay, I get, I get it. You can't ask, but is, there's got to be some certain line of like, how am I doing? Where am I at? What are things I can work on? I'm not looking just to get the belt, but I just want to know areas of improvement, you know? No, that's that's totally, I think that would be a, probably a good idea is, is on things to work on. And ultimately, it's like with anything, with practice. Show up to class. Show up to class as many times as you can and just keep keep eating humble pie. Get submitted, get submitted, get submitted. Mm, keep getting submitted. And, uh, you know, you'll learn and then get better at it. What, what would be... I mean, besides the physical techniques, what would be the probably the most valuable thing that you've learned through jujitsu? Consistency. I think that's that's so key. There's consistency um, and keeping up with your cardio. You know, just the basic things like that. You know, you need to have good cardio. You need to have a good gas tank, um, and basically just show up to class. That's interesting that you say cardio because I I heard somewhere that like per minute that you spend in any sport. Jiu-jitsu, this is per minute now, you burn the most calories. I mean, I could see it. It just depends how intense the... Because some dudes are super slow, and that's their technique, because they're super slow. Right. And they're super methodical, and they're like, just slowly work. They work in there. Like, you could think that you're in a good position, and they slowly work their way scheming. into something, and next thing you know, you're being choked out. And then some matches are like super explosive, and it's like a five-minute match. And it's just go, go, go from the beginning. And it's explosive and it's like fast. And people are rolling around like doing crazy things, like crazy acrobatic techniques. So it all depends. I prefer the more moderate and then explode when I need to mm-hmm. versus go. Pick uh, your like, yeah, because being a bigger guy, it's, it's harder for me to be explosive all the time. But the little, little, littler guys or the more athletic guys will be super explosive and like one minute they're in front of you the next minute they're on your they're on your back like like a spider monkey and uh <laughs> and you're tapping out i heard um somewhere about jujitsu like to learn to love to do the drills because a lot of people just want to get to rolling and sparring but that if you could be a student of learning to drill 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 that can make you a lot better faster sometimes than just sparring because in sparring, it could just be the guy just can't wait to tap you out, and you're not actually really learning versus the drill. You're mastering the technique of that drill. Is that true in any way? I think so. I mean, you know, Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man that knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man that has practiced one kick 10,000 times. There is that. That's kind of key to the whole thing. But I think that if you train and you're, you look after your training partner and you get submitted or you submit him, you should go over how that happened. And show them their technique so that he could do it next time. I think it's all about helping each other mm. and helping each other learn. I think there, there's a lot of ego. So there is a lot of ego in jiu-jitsu too. So where people will just submit and just walk away. Like, cool, I submitted him, whatever. And that's the kind of gym I want to stay away from. I want to go to the gym that, I, okay, they're going to kick my butt and they're going to have fun doing it. But then they're going to show me the mistakes I made, where I can improve, 
and how I can get better. And then also maybe show me that technique that was like pretty cool or, I, or, or hey, I just learned this cool technique. Let me practice on you. And then you show each other, you know? That's cool. Yeah. See, I would, I would hate that if like a guy choked me out my first day and was all cocky about it. That just would drive me insane. You wouldn't want to go back to that. No, game. I wouldn't want to go no, back. That's no, no fun. No. Honestly, it'd be really cool if we had a if we had a can of spam. If you guys came to try it <laughs> out, that'd be kind of crazy. And then we could just you know, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's possible. Kind of well, on that note, uh, why don't we give a shout out to the gym that you go to, and yeah. then uh, any any um you know important like Cole Collective, yeah, yeah. real yeah. quick. Just so. Here in Hawaii, uh, we have like jiu-jitsu is probably one of the fastest growing sports and there's so many gyms around. Um, I train at Mano Jiu-Jitsu, which is in Manoa, which is like five minutes from my house. But it's all about finding a school that you gel with the coach and you, you gel with the people that train there. And then the other thing is that Kekoa Collective is a store that sort of is, was built on jiu-jitsu, but is also yoga, surf, travel. It's a. It's essentially a brand. Yeah, it's a brand. It's a brand. It's a clothing brand. It's kind of inspired by all those things. But inside the shop is a mat mm -hmm. in the window. So as you walk into the store or as you walk past the store, there's people rolling on the mat, like in the window, which is kind of like, which is pretty cool. And the people that work at the store are all jujiteros, like high level jujiteros. So you can That's go a to jujitsu practitioner for all you. Yeah. Other, okay. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> like vegetarian jujitsu, jujitarian, <laughs> jujitarian. They uh, only eat eggplant. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So at any point you can roll in and be like, hey, uh, I brought my gi or even no gi and uh, let's roll. Awesome. So shout out to Mano Jujitsu in Manoa and then also shout out to uh, Kekoa, Kekoa Collective, which is in ward the village ward village um on the on the ground floor right yeah ground floor right. ward village opposite gomote awesome awesome mm, cool gomote well thanks for that man that was super interesting that's cool man yeah, we should go dude and just roll that'd be kind of fun <laughs> although i don't own a gi i gotta get a gi oh right right i have a gi that'll fit you i got a gi <laughs> okay well it's just me now i gotta figure out actually i have my <laughs> karate gi but that would probably hurt to roll in wouldn't it no, Aren't they like different material? Uh, I think karate gi is a little lighter. More rigid, right? Really? It's a little lighter. Yeah, a, a jiu-jitsu gi is very heavy. Oh, that's right. It's, it's opposite. Yeah. Right, okay. But again, you know, um, Kavika saying that you could totally, if like we all went to Kekoa, right? Mm -hmm. Like low, like not, it's not a class setting. It's just us messing around. If we went to Kekoa, like they'd have a gi that fits you. They'd have a gi that fits you. Oh, I could bring a gi that fits you, mm -hmm. Nick. Yeah, so... All right. Well, let's. Uh, well, we have to put that on the list. Yeah. Let's take. Let's take let's a look at our calendars like when this is done, and we'll see when we can make this happen. I'm excited. You seem a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You guys have a few pounds on me, but we just talked about that. Weight doesn't, doesn't matter, matter yeah. as much. And also, like, it's not like like I've had really little people put a lot of pressure on me that they feel ten times their weight. So it doesn't really matter about like how much you weigh. Yeah, bigger dude right. can put on more. Can put more pressure, but like. You also don't have to put that pressure right. on the person, you know? You don't mm -hmm. have to be that guy. You know, All right. Well, let's see if we them. can make it happen, and then uh, we'll, we'll definitely let our spammers know what happens. Uh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to get <laughs> pancaked. Oh, no, I guarantee I'm going to get crushed. <laughs> I hate being anyway, choked. <laughs> so we're going to move the show along. Uh, we were talking, we've been talking about jujitsu and all this philosophy and being around the right people. We're going to transition to something a little less sophisticated. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
through knowing Nick over the past, I don't know, what, five, six years? Something like that, yeah. Uh, I have learned one very important thing about him, and that is he tells the best poop stories. I'm a poopitarian. <laughs> <laughs> PhD in poop. So um, uh, you have you have one on deck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah. In the chamber? I got one. <laughs> well, let's fire away. I got one ripe and ready. Okay, I, I have so many poop stories, it's just crazy. Um, I feel like... Everybody does. I just talk about them. But, You're a good storyteller. <laughs> so this is a while ago, maybe like two years ago. I was, um, I think I went to the beach or something. I had like board shorts on, just board shorts and a shirt. That's very important. And have you noticed when you really have to poop, um, you can hold it, but as soon as you get in the radius of your house, like a mile from the house, your body knows and is ready. Mm-hmm. It just knows that I'm close to... I'm close to home. I'm close to my comfort zone. I'm coming out now. More importantly, closer to the toilet. Right, yeah, yeah. So I pull in my driveway, and I'm groundhogging it like you wouldn't believe, prairie dogging it, whatever you want to call it. I have to poop so bad. Um, we just got a dog recently, uh, so during that time. At the time of the, this incident. Yeah, so we had a baby gate in the hallway, which is where I needed to get over to get to the bathroom. And um, as soon as I put my keys in the door it's like the countdown begins right and uh dude it's like shaking yeah i i couldn't get in the door fast enough and i'm already now i got the penguin walk going where i'm squeezing my butt cheeks together and the thing about that is when you got to poop so bad that you have to squeeze your cheeks to stop it from exploding out of you you're creating a really bad scenario it's what i like to call the pressure cooker Right, Because when you're squeezing those cheeks super hard and you're waddling like a penguin, it's building up an immense amount of pressure in there. Um, And then it's like the whole, as soon as you get to the toilet, you throw your pants down and it's coming out before you're even on the seat. Right? We've all been there. Am I right? (laughs) Come on, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, you're very right. Right. Again, I I wish I had that cricket. (laughs) We need to find that sound effect so I can play it. Yeah. We need to get one of those soundboard things. Okay, so... That's happening to me. I got the pressure cooker going, and I get to the gate. There's one no way that I can bend over and undo the gate because that would release the valve, and all the, the pressure would release. Valve meaning your bowels. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. So wait, wait, I don't know what the, to do now. The latch to the gate is like yeah, it's one close of the, to the ground? Yo, yeah, it's one of oh, those gates, that, like a, kind of the accordion style, that you push down, and there's a little hook that comes over it, and it's... It's oh, right. And you're perfectly, like, you completely erect because that, you don't want to move. That's <laughs> you don't exactly bend right. Over. I've never been taller. So <laughs> I'm, like, trying to figure out now how am I going to get over this gate because I can't bend down. Um, and it's so tight, like, locked in. I can't just, like, kick it down either. Uh, so for whatever reason, I, I think I was losing brain cells from, like, all the – from cooking this thing up that I decide, well, I'm going to put one foot over the gate while I'm, like, holding this thing in and then bring the other over and then – I'll be all right. Horrible idea. Horrible. There's so many other ways I could have did this, but that's what I did. So I put the one foot over, and when I go to bring the other, I release the valve. And I swear to you, um, (laughs) when I bring the other foot over, a turd shoots out of my butthole. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. And here's the thing. Because I'm, like, walking, right, my leg is extended, So as the turd is shooting out of me, I'm like walking and it lands perfectly behind my right knee. And as I'm walking, it squeezes in between itself and I mash the turd. It's like I'm not in the back of your knee. Yes. So you're carrying a turd in the 
exactly what happened. So I, I mashed this turd in between the back of my knee, and I'm just, dude, I'm. You caught it. Oh, I caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think you understand. I'm disgusted by this. I'm embarrassed to share this. This is terrible. So I catch it in the back of my knee. So then I hop on one foot because if I if I now let the, let the knee go, I don't know what's gonna happen. So I waddle to the bathroom. I slam on the toilet. I just let it fly. And then as I'm doing that, I'm using toilet paper to clean up the back of my oh, knee. My but it just was. Man, gosh, what a because I was wearing board shorts, so there was no underwear to catch it, right? So it just shot out my pant like perfectly into the back of my knee. So that was um. I, I wish you guys could see Brett's face right now. Dude, His eyes are watering. I'm I'm a poopophiliac. <laughs> I can handle my own, but I just can't handle anybody else's. And this story is making me want to breathe through my mouth. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, man. That's there just there are what many more to come because Nick yeah. has some. <laughs> Incredible poops. Not the two million horn bread, but that ain't nothing. <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. I can I can get with this. I can uh, to get desensitized to your poop stories. I am incredibly impressed that you were able to hop on one leg and not release the valve anymore. Well, I think it already kind of like that was the one in the chamber. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, I see. Yeah, it was locked and loaded. Yeah, and I was pretty close to the bathroom, so at least it happened at home. Thank God. Honestly, thank goodness. Well. We don't have many stories that end in being at home. Yeah, I got some other ones that are... <laughs> but, you know, thank goodness. Um, I've been on the up and up. I haven't had a poop story in a while. Well, that's so. unfortunate because I look forward to your poop stories. <laughs> I've been doing pretty good recently. You know what's helped, though, my pooping? Um, I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I have a bidet at, in my yes, bathroom. Yes, And that has changed my life. I bought one off... I told you about this. Bought it off Amazon, 30, 40 bucks or whatever. And um, gosh, it's the best thing I've ever bought. Yeah. I cannot poop in public anymore because I'm like a freaking caveman over here using toilet paper. All that. It's just the bidets. In so- Do they have bidets in South Africa? No, but so uh, I oh think. Oh my God, I'm thinking loofah. Yeah, oh, loofah. yeah, no, yeah. It all makes sense now. Yeah, a loofah, man. That, <laughs> like, that sounds why painful. Does that white with yeah. loofah. <laughs> no, you should have seen the face I, I hate was my making. Life. Like, this is weird. I hate my life. Okay. I'm going to wipe my butt with a loofah. It's all making sense. I've been to Japan. <laughs> um, I mean, I think in Western culture, like, we're so behind in uh, sort of toilet cleaning in a way. Like, if you go to Thailand, they have the bum gun, which is basically just a sort of squirt gun next to the toilet. Um, it's like the wand on a sink. Yeah, basically exactly that. And so the, in Thailand, they have the, the bum gun. In Japan, they have those crazy automatic toilets that are heated, that you can adjust the angle of the flow. You can have it pulsate. You can have it direct. You can have this. You can change everything on There's that. There's even music to drown out yeah. the sound. It has everything. Uh, which here in Hawaii, actually, a lot of the, the hotels have those same toilets. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is funny because when I was a paparazzi and I'd be at a hotel looking for a celebrity, I'd be like super stoked when they were at certain hotels because I knew that they had those fancy toilets. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Uh, and then, yeah, so I bought mine off Amazon as well. What brand did you get? Mine's, it's a Lux, L-U-X. Hmm. It has Sounds just, luxurious. It, the thing is, this is not heated. There's nothing, it's a no frills because I didn't, I don't need heated here. No, 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 no. You know, so it really is just the sprayer attachment. Yeah. It has a self-cleaning nozzle. It's two knobs. Yes. One for the, the speed of the 
bidet itself, and then one, it just cleans its nozzle. But have you ever, like, tweaked it too much where it felt like you were just getting, like, fire-hosed in their butt? You got to work. You got to build a callus up <laughs> yeah. to that one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes, like, like, you turn that thing on, and it's, like, it you feels like it's going to blast you across the, 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 across the, the bathroom. What, what I find recently, though, is because I've been using this thing for so long, it's – um. It's made my butthole kind of soft. So oh. when I'm not able to use it, like, in, and I'm wiping, I find my butthole is more easily rawed. <laughs> so when I get home and I'm using that, it, it, like, stings because I'm not, you know, if I have the poop in public, I'm not able to use the bidet. So I'm having to wipe a little more. And because my butthole is a little soft now, when I'm then home later using the bidet, that can hurt. That can Dude, sting this a little. Is actually, You're getting soft uh, on this me, son. This is actually a phenomenal conversation because I thought I was the only one. Yeah, you go to public and they have like the one ply sandpaper, mm -hmm. aka stinky fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're like, oh, that's kind of rough. And then you get home and you're like, you switch on the old bidet, like, oh, I'm gonna relax. And it's like, oh no, shit, that kind of hurts. It's like putting um, peroxide in a wound. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I think I bought the tushy. Okay, the tushy. Yeah. I don't know if I have to look at that one. I yeah, it's on. It's the same sort of price, but um, same thing. Dial that just kind of like you know yeah. gives you a good old spray. My girlfriend was like super against it. She's like, "What is this? Like you're wasting your money on now? Like now we both use it. Save a lot on toilet paper. Saving the you know saving the environment. Yeah, using more water, but you know. Yeah, but it's the same water out of the tank that you'd normally be flushing. Maybe it doesn't come from the tank. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It comes Mine from doesn't. the ground. It comes because it has and to have pressure. That's if right. If it came from right. the tank, it wouldn't have any pressure. That's exactly right. Um, the thing is, though, so interesting fact for people for them to create toilet paper uses a huge amount of water on really? the on manufacturing end. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's kind of like you're balancing it out a bit, probably making less. any paper, in fact. Yeah, any paper is a huge amount of water used. So well, you know you're doing it a little bit, and plus you're cleaner. You're what, way cleaner. What happens after? You, just, you give it a little dab. You, yeah, a little, you still wipe. It's dry. Yeah, 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 just give it a little dab. Make sure you're clean and, and yeah. fresh. Oh, okay. Um, and ultimately, it is cleaner, like overall. Oh yeah, and it in the Western world, big paper industry doesn't want you using the bidet, so that's why you don't use it. Is because you're brainwashed by big paper and big oil companies that don't want you buying and not buying their products as much. Mm. So forty dollars. I'm gonna maybe I'll get you one. When's your birthday? Poopspiracy. Uh, not till July. Ooh. Oh, i get you one for Christmas. Yeah. Maybe that would be a good Christmas gift for you. Explain that one to the missus. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> now, what you need to do is when she's, if you're in the bathroom and you're brushing your teeth or something and Remote she's... control. No, no. If she's oh. on it... Damn it. Just reach over and crank that bad boy up on her when she doesn't know. <laughs> well, that's why I was saying remote control. <laughs> so I can do it from the living room. Just be like, oh, I dropped yeah. something next to the toilet. Crank. <laughs> I, I never did that. <laughs> okay. Well, we were going to do Would you? what would you do if, but I think... Ending on the poop story. I don't know if we're going to be able to top that, that this time good. around. So <laughs> we're just going to cut it here. Yeah, I think I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I need to wash my hands all of a sudden. Yeah. Still all right. Through my mouth. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, again, my name is Kavika. That's Nick. I'm Nick, yeah. We got Brett here. Again, shout out to, uh, what is it, Mono? Mono Jiu-Jitsu. Mono Jiu-Jitsu, Kekol Collective down at Ward Theater. And uh, do you want to uh, plug your podcast? Oh, yeah, you started a new podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a whole other subject. But, yeah, um, started a new podcast with Kakoa Collective called Mindful Living. And it's basically where we meet ordinary people doing extraordinary things with their lives. And we just talk story and go over, like, things that they've accomplished in their lives through adversity or, um, you know, challenges or just, just all around just sort of talking about different 
um, inspiring stories. Yeah, basically inspiring stories. There we go. Spit it out. Uh, but yeah, I'd love for you guys to listen. It's called Mindful Living. It's Kakoa Collective Mindful Living. Um, and you can find the link on Kakoa Collective's Instagram, which is just at Kakoa Collective. It's K-E-K-O-A-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. Kakoa Collective. Can you spell that in NATO? Oh, no, please. <laughs> Kilo. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter, Pod. Leave us a comment. Make suggestions for uh, our segments like what would you do if. Ask us anything and we'll answer it. We'll talk to you guys next week. and Let's get it. I think we're done. <laughs>